Okay, we are continuing a series we started last week entitled The Liturgy, um, Worship on Earth as it is in Heaven. And last week we talked about just an intro. We asked, answered the question, what is worship? And today we're going to begin to look at one of the pieces of the liturgy that we do. Um, we're going to look at the opening acclamation of the colic for purity. But before we get into that, um, I just want to remind you that we're trying a new thing on Sundays during our prayers of the people. We started it last week. We're going to do it for four to six weeks as kind of an experiment to try out um, just a different way to, to do the prayers of the people. The, the basic scripted part is the same. So CJ will come up and lead us through the prayers of the people like he always does. But rather than us just leave time open for people to compose prayers one at a time, we're just inviting folks at that moment to say one word petitions. It can be the name of a person. It can be a situation. If it's two words, it's okay. But the idea is we can just all do that. We can even do it while someone else is doing it. Just just kind of popcorn those out. And we're going to kind of keep doing that. And the reason for this is, is twofold. One is want to involve more of us in prayer um, and involve us more in out loud praying. And sometimes it's hard. It feels uncomfortable to compose a prayer in front of a room of people like this. Um, and then get more praying done. Because if we all compose long prayers... We really have time for about two or three of us to pray. And I think more of us would like to offer that to Father. So we're going to keep doing that. And, you know, it'll take a while to get used to it. But just so you know, that's coming. That'll come later on in our worship. So um, about 30 years ago, I worked as an outreach worker with a company called, an organization called um, Heartland Senior Services. So I did home visits to senior citizens, mostly homebound senior citizens in the county I worked in. Got to know a guy named George. And George had been a conductor on the railroad back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And, you know, the key, one of the keys to railroads is they've got to run on time. But in the days before computer systems, the way they made the railroads run on time is all the conductors had these super high-priced Swiss jeweled watches. And they didn't own them. The railroad owned them. He worked for the Chicago Northwestern. Chicago Northwestern owned the watch. He was responsible for it. And once a month, he had to go into the office, and they would recalibrate the watch to make sure it's set on the, a common time for all the watches. Because if a few watches just begin to get off one month, and the next month, the next month, pretty soon all the trains are not running on time. And messes the whole complicated system. And so way before they had computer access, they ran very complicated railroad systems in North America. And the handheld watch was the key to it. And to make that work, once a month, every conductor had to go in and have his watch recalibrated. That's a picture of one of the central reasons we come to worship, is to recalibrate ourselves to the kingdom of God. In the same way that a, a watch, if it's, not, if it's not wound up again, old style watches, if it's not wound up again and set right, it gets way off kilter, way off track. If we don't regularly, weekly recalibrate our lives to the kingdom of God, we'll slowly get off sync, slowly out of sync, and the trajectory of our life will begin to move away from the kingdom. And pretty soon, the kingdom's here and we're way over here. That's why our worship on Sunday, after we do an introductory song, and sometimes in our tradition there's a procession that goes with that, after that all happens, the first thing we do in our liturgy is this. We do what's called the opening acclamation and the colic for purity. In fact, if you take your weekly handout and just look on that with me, let me just read it for you. 
fact, hold on there. Let me do something else first. I want us to think about today's gospel text. I want to go there first. Today's gospel text. Verses 14 and 15 say, Now after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God. So Jesus is preaching the gospel. Jesus is preaching the good news. He's spreading the word, man, and it's good news. And what is the word? It's this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what's the gospel? The kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The gospel. The good news is that through Jesus Christ, God has established his universal reign over all things. And through that universal reign, there is redemption, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, and ultimately all things will be made new through Jesus and because of Jesus in the Father's will and the Spirit's power. The kingdom of God. That's what Jesus declared. And when you are a disciple of Jesus, what you become is a kingdom of God person. You receive the gift of the kingdom of God and you bring your allegiance to Jesus Christ as king and Lord in your life. His reign is universal, but we can choose whether or not to come under it. To become a disciple is to come under his reign. He's king of my life, or to put it more pedestrian-like, he's now the boss, not me, Jesus. That's the kingdom. That's what he preached. And that's good news to relinquish our autonomy, to relinquish my self-authority and put it under the authority of Jesus is a blessing and it's good and it brings life and it brings peace. It brings salvation. It brings forgiveness. It brings redemption. I can keep going with a lot more words and not even begin to penetrate how good it is for us. That's the kingdom. We come to worship to recalibrate ourselves to that, to recalibrate ourselves to the kingdom. That's why, now looking at your handout, we start with the opening acclamation. It says this, blessed be God. Who is God? Uh, Theologian N.T. Wright, biblical scholar, was a chaplain, I think at Oxford at one time, and he would have these students come, and they go, oh, chaplain, good to meet you, but I won't need to use your services. I don't believe in God. And Wright would always say, oh, well, what God don't you believe in? And they go, well, this God. And he goes, yeah, I don't believe in that God either. And it's usually some, you know, grandfather in the sky sort of runs everything and sort of the generic Western deistic God. What we do is we come into this service and the first thing we say is we're here to worship God. It's not just some generic God. It's the God, the one God, the true God, whose name is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. And that Trinity has a kingdom. And that kingdom is blessed. And we're here to bless him, and we're here to bless his kingdom, and to re-enter into that kingdom. And we learn three things about that kingdom when we come into worship. We learn it's a trinity kingdom, we learn it's a blessed kingdom, and we learn it's a grace kingdom. It's a trinity kingdom, It's a blessed kingdom. It's a grace kingdom. It's a trinity kingdom because the one who runs the kingdom, the king, is God the Holy Trinity. He incarnates it through God the Son, who's taken on human flesh, Jesus, and still reigns in glory as a human person, glorified in a way that's different than us and yet still human. But it's the whole trinity that reigns. This says so much about the nature of this kingdom. 
It's good. It's beautiful. And it's true. This kingdom is good. It's beautiful. It's true. And the central ethic of this kingdom is love. Not sentimental, gushy, romantic love, but the robust commitment to the good of the other. This kingdom is all about that because that's who the Trinity is. From all eternity, there's been this love relationship between the Father and the Son. That's why he gives us language, Father-Son language, to talk about this part of who he is, this mystery of the Trinity we can't understand because it helps us see, I begat my Son and I love him with all that I am. And the Son responds with love. And then there's this third person, and some theologians talk about the third person as he's actual, that, that love that exists between the Father and the Son, he's that person. He's that very love. So that it says in Romans 5, when the Spirit comes to live in us, he sheds that love in our lives. So that is the life of God, this love relationship, and it, nothing else existed except this, eternally. It's all just love relationship. And then he made everything else to come under him and into this love relationship. So we come to church to recalibrate our hearts to that kingdom. It's an invitation to a kingdom of love. Not sentimental, gushy love, real love. The kind of love that will challenge you. The kind of love will say, you're not living in the kingdom right now. You need to repent. That's actually loving because the good thing for me is to live in the kingdom. And if I'm not doing it, it's not good for me. And so the Father calls me back. So sometimes church is joyful. Sometimes it's not very fun because you encounter the Lord. He bits the spotlight on something in your life and says, I want it to change. It needs to change. But either way, we encounter him. So we declare that there's a kingdom. It's the kingdom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's a blessed kingdom. Two times. Blessed be God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. That word shows up. Such a thick word. I can't even penetrate all that it implies for us. It's like a formula word in the Bible. It shows up in the creation stories. So that when God brings all this order out of chaos, when he creates the world as a place for us to have a relationship with him, he blesses it. It is blessed. It implies every good thing you can imagine. I don't know. Maybe you can think of it this way. Maybe maybe it'll conjure this up in a few moments I'm talking. But can you imagine, like, the happiest moment you had in your life? Or or maybe, you know, you heard a piece of music, and it's so beautiful that it just almost makes you ache. It's so awesome. You know, just a joy that goes so deep that bigger than anything. It just Maybe that's happened once or twice in your life a few times. I can think of some times like that. If you can kind of remember that feeling, you're starting to get what blessedness means. That's who God is. And that's the quality of his kingdom. And so, so it's interesting. We're doing two things here. We're, we're blessing God and we're blessing him. So it's sort of an act of praise. But in blessing the kingdom, we're declaring its blessedness. And we're choosing to enter into it again. You know why we need to do this? This is super easy to forget. We step back into life. The service gets over in another 45 minutes. We get back in our life. 
Netflix comes on, phone starts ringing, we got to go to work, got to take care of kids, we got to mow the lawn, and all of a sudden we're just caught in what's temporal. Not bad things, not evil things, but it's easy to forget, forget the blessedness of the kingdom, that we are citizens of the kingdom. So we come back to church to recalibrate to the kingdom, to the Trinity kingdom and to the blessed kingdom. And in doing that, we're submitting ourselves. So when it's time for opening acclamation, let me give you just a little coaching on how to get ready for church. It'd be wise to be here in time so you can prepare your heart to enter into that. I'm not scolding anyone who walked in late today, by the way. Don't, don't hear that. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not into that. It's not what I mean. Just hear it the other way around. Just an invitation to begin to try to do that and get here in time so that when it comes time to say that, it's not, oh, that's the first thing we say in the liturgy. It's actually an act of allegiance. It's an act of surrender. It's an act of submission. All traditions have a good side and a bad side. I love our tradition, but there's a bad side to it. And it's, you can just rattle through the words and just do it every week and not think about it because it becomes old hat. I've been saying the liturgy for 30 year, 20 years, excuse me, and praying it myself for 30. I can do this and not even think a lick about God. It's easy to do. So the liturgy doesn't get us out of the need to be intentional. It gives us a way to be intentional, a way to be attentive to God, a way to bring our hearts and surrender. But if you take that seriously, that there's a kingdom, we're called to give all our allegiance, that ought to make you tremble a little bit. Because you're probably keenly aware at this moment of the ways that hasn't fully followed through in your own life. God is God. He is holy. He reigns in majesty. He deserves nothing but everything from us. My gosh, I can't do that. When I think about this, I can't do that. That's why the third truth is so critical. The kingdom is a Trinity kingdom. It's a blessed kingdom. It's a grace kingdom. So we bless God, we bless his kingdom, and then we pray. And what do we pray? We pray this prayer that was written in the Middle Ages for priests to put their vestments on. And then when the Church of England became Protestant and began to write this liturgy, they said, let's make that a prayer for the whole church as they get ready to worship. And it's a beautiful prayer. It's, and I'm going to unpack the language, but the heart of it is, help! That's what this prayer is. It's, help me, God! I can't do this! I need you! Grace! That's what this prayer is. It's not, almighty God... And to all hearts are open. Oh, we thank you. So good, Father. You know, sort of the English tea time. We can do that mode. It's not what this is about. This is God stuff. This is heavy stuff. This is thick stuff. This is spiritual dynamo stuff. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. We can fool each other. We can't fool God. He knows everything about all of us. And actually, that's beautiful because he accepts us. 
I mean, he knows the darkest thing about, he knows the things that are dark about you you don't know about yourself. And he still says, I love you, and I want you to come into my presence. My heart's open, all desires. You know everything I want. You know the parts of me that don't want you, God. You're completely aware of this. All desires known. And there's no secret in my life that's hidden from you. You know it all. So you have an opportunity here. You could say, so therefore, I'm going to go run and hide from you, God. You could say that. Or you could say, help. Help. Can you cleanse the thoughts of my heart by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit? And the word inspiration there isn't inspiration like, oh, that was inspiring talk. It means the spirit to get put in you, to be inspirited. Spirit, come into me and change me and cleanse me. That's what it's saying. Cleanse the thoughts of my heart. All the ideas that are wrong, all the thought patterns that are wrong, the choices that are wrong, where my will goes, all that. Holy Spirit, come and change it. And here's the goal. That we may perfectly love you. I don't think you get this answered any one Sunday, usually. This is a lifelong prayer. To move to a place where we perfectly love him. God will take whatever we offer, but the goal never changes. Perfect love toward him. That we can perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. We'll do it through Christ our Lord. So we, we want to be, we're acknowledging, God, we see your kingdom. It's, it's the kingdom of the Trinity. It's so beautiful. It's so inviting. And it's blessed. I want to be in it. And yet, to give my life to this... I just can't do it on my own. Help me, Holy Spirit. Come. If we were Pentecostals, we'd say, we want the Pentecostal power to fall right now. Holy Spirit, just fall on us, fill us, anoint us, and baptize us so we can praise and worship. That's what this prayer is. That's what we're praying for. I mean, this is heavy stuff. And if we come in seriousness about it, then God will meet us. We may not perceive it, may not feel anything, but the truth is still the same. God will meet us in worship. So this time on Sunday when we come together, it's a time to, just like George had to do with his watch, to take our lives before the Father and recalibrate, let the Holy Spirit recalibrate us to the kingdom. Let the Holy Spirit recalibrate us to the kingdom. That's why we come to the table every week. We'll we'll get into this later in November when we get to this point in the liturgy, but this is a sign of what's happening in the heavenlies. And in some miracle, the Holy Spirit uses the sign of bread and the sign of wine and, and uses it to give Jesus to us and to take us to Jesus and to take us into this kingdom so we can see what the real purpose of life is why we really exist, and why everything else in our lives exists. And then out of that, and and we'll unpack this at the very end of our series when we get to the last part of the liturgy, but I want to just mention it now. It's not just that God welcomes us to the kingdom at the front end. At the end, he sends us back out as kingdom ambassadors to do the good works you've called us to do, witnesses. So we recalibrate into the kingdom so we can go back into the world and be kingdom of God people.
So that's the meaning of the first part of our liturgy, and that's its invitation to come. Remember, the kingdom is a trinity kingdom, the kingdom is a blessed kingdom, and the kingdom is a grace kingdom, so that the Holy Spirit can recalibrate us to the kingdom of God. We're going to stand in a moment and say the creed, but before we do that, let me pray again. So would you join me in prayer? Father, I want to ask for me and for each of us that you'd help us to take this prayer to heart. Let it shape us. Let it form us. Lord, even in our weakness, help us as best we can enter into the meaning of this acclamation and the meaning of this prayer. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand.